Good morning, I'm Dave Young, and this is the Jefferson Exchange for Friday, September 22nd, 2023. And we'll start today's Jefferson Exchange with our business segment, The Ground Floor. Host Cynthia Schur visits the Oregon Shakespeare Festival's Interim Executive Director Tyler Hokama about the business end of the theater and how it went from a really good idea to becoming a cornerstone of the region's tourism industry. Please note this episode was recorded before OSF's announcement of its 2024 season. This is Cynthia Schur with The Ground Floor, JPR's segment on entrepreneurial businesses and organizations in the state of Jefferson. All businesses began because somebody had an idea and developed that idea. Today's guest is Tyler Hokama, Interim Executive Director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. Great to have you here. So OSF started a long time ago, almost 90 years ago. So can you tell us a little bit about the origin or the, of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival? For many of us, it's a fixture and we don't know the, the history or who started it. Sure. Back in 1935, an instructor named Angus Bomer uh, was inspired by the remains of the Chautauqua Dome, which was a gathering place here in Ashland, Oregon. And what he saw was the resemblance to the Old Globe Theater in England. And that gave him the first idea of working in tandem with business leaders and civic leaders, the opportunity to start a Shakespearean festival. That is the origin story. Uh, it's a fascinating story. And so who did he attract as an audience in 1935? Where did the audience come from? Who were they? You know, I think it's mostly locals at that period of time, but I don't have all the details of the audience's 90 years ago. <laughs> right, because now, you know, OSF is primarily a destination theater. And, you know, where where does OSF attract its audience from? Yeah, it's interesting, Cynthia. About 80% of our audience sales come from out of the immediate area. Uh, they come primarily from up and down the West Coast. So Seattle, Portland, Bay Area, and LA as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good for the local economy. That means we're bringing in dollars that from, from outside the area. Absolutely. Uh, OSF has traditionally been a very large tourism draw to the area. I think pre-pandemic, we were looking at something like 30% of the tourism economy, uh, OSF participating in that or driving that. Well, that's a huge percentage. Uh, so, And so what do people do that, uh, that sort of ex helps accelerate the local economy in addition to go to plays at the festival? Well, there are a number of businesses that participate in tourism, of which we are a part. Uh, everything from restaurants to local shop owners and retail, the hotels, of course, outdoor activities like white, whitewater rafting, uh, local wineries. All of these are part of the tourist draw of our area here in Southern Oregon. Mm -hmm. So if we, draw, if we draw someone for one, they're likely to do way more than one. Absolutely. I think people come here for OSF, yes, but also the overall experience that they can get here. And when I first started coming here in 2004, that was the experience I had. I discovered OSF, but then I discovered all of the amazing additional opportunities for experiences here in Southern Oregon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so almost 90 years is a really long time to have any kind of organization, business or otherwise. Uh, can you talk a little bit about you know, what the enduring mission of OSF is and how, how this organization has carried through for, did I get it right, 88 years? Is that right? 
Yeah, that's right. We've been here for 88 seasons. So a couple of years will be uh, season 90. Uh, I think that something that has been enduring for us is our ties to education. So our founder was originally an instructor at what would become now Southern Oregon University. And we've continued to carry the uh, mission of education. So we believe that bringing live theater to audiences, both for current generations as well as future ones, is really important for preservation of the art. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And has edu- so has education always been part of the mission of the festival? I can't say for certain, but it's certainly part of our core heritage and part of what started uh, OSF from our origin story. Mm-hmm. And I know we you often you meet people all the time who will say, oh, I came to OSF when I was in school or then decided to bring my family here. I've even heard actors say the first time I came to OSF was, you know, on a road trip or when I was in high school. It's a favorite story of mine that I hear from people as I have met them in this role. Uh, people will say, 50 years ago, I came on a, one of these yellow school buses and experienced theater for the first time. We also have had over the years an outbound school visit program where we would send acting troops out to theaters as far as Alaska, Washington, Oregon, of course, California, and even Kansas. I mean, we've sent actors out so that uh, those who can't afford or access the travel to Ashland get the live theater experience and start that spark of lifelong appreciation for the art. And then they come back. They do. And for generations, they've come back. So... As I think any of us who follow the arts at all know that the arts have been going through a very tough time post-pandemic. And, you know, even here at JPR, they've done a, they did a story in June on, you know, how OSF was, was struggling. And it's now uh, September and you're still here. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how, how you have uh, carried the festival forward uh, during some really tough times, and a little bit about what led to those tough times. Sure. I think one thing to appreciate is that live theater in general has had a lot of challenges, right? The pandemic itself was a discontinuity that broke theatergoers' habits, right? People used to come ritually every single year, habitually every single year, and it was just a, a foregone conclusion that, that they would make the trip to their theater or uh, wherever they were. And what we're seeing is that audiences haven't come back to the same levels that they uh, were at pre-pandemic. And that's not unique to OSF. That's something we see across the board in the industry of live theater. So what I've read makes it sound like Broadway is doing okay and other theaters are struggling. Can you sort of explain the difference between how OSF as a repertory theater uh, is different from that business model of a Broadway theater? So one thing I will say is even Broadway theaters are not seeing the audience levels back to where they once were. Uh, what's a little bit different about nonprofit theater is that, and is unique as a business, I've done a lot of consulting for a lot of businesses. One thing unique about the nonprofit theater model is that it's fairly common for theaters to have half of their revenue generation thereabouts to be what we call contributed income. So not trade revenues, not revenues from ticket sales or concessions, but rather through contributions that come from foundations, corporations, government, and of course, individual private donors. And so that is something very different. 
Now, when you have less ticket sales than we historically have had uh, in the industry because of the discontinuity I mentioned, you rely on a higher proportion of contributed income donations to balance the books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're listening to The Ground Floor on Jefferson Public Radio. You can find us online at jefferexchange.org. I'm your host, Cynthia Schur, and speaking today with Tyler Hokama, Interim Executive Director of the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. So that financial model is different. Is OSF exploring different models or different ways to make things work? There's some, there's some dynamics within the, the theater itself that make it difficult to you know, how do you get more productivity out of actors? (laughs) Yeah, well, yeah, I I think some of the core challenges in the industry, and we face it, of course, as well, is there has been increased costs, right? Everybody knows there's been very high inflation over the last couple of years, whereas the revenues have not gone up commensurately, right? Because audiences have not fully come back, and that creates a squeeze in any business in this industry. So we do have to think about how we more proactively plan our seasons to be more cost-effective, to be thinking about, yes, our art, but how that also uh, balances with the the accounting side, the financial side, to make sure we can uh, have a balanced budget. And so that is something that is more to the forefront than perhaps in prior seasons and in certainly decades past. It has to be much more given much more attention than maybe we've historically done. And can you do that and still attract the audiences and get people excited about the art? We believe that you can. We believe that at its core, what matters is the text and the expression and the acting and the stories. And I think that the the production values around that, sure, they're important, but the core is about those things that I mentioned. And can you talk about why audiences are drawn to live theater as opposed to, we have so many options for entertainment now. We do, we do. You know, it's easier to experience than to explain. And this is the reason why it's so important for us to bring those yellow school buses to us and to send our acting troops out to students. It's because there's a huge difference between looking at the three-inch screen on your phone versus seeing and feeling live theater around you. Some things that are different about live theater are it's participatory, right? You feel what the audience feels. It's contagious in terms of emotion. You see the actors go through the voms to go onto the stage. That's not something you can see easily on a screen. It's something you have to experience to to appreciate. And I think that's a big difference in live theater. Yeah, and also I think as an audience member, a lot of times you can empathize with what the what the actors are going through on stage because you're experiencing their physical presence and the audience is responding to it at the same time. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. And sometimes our plays have elements of improv, so you don't know what's going to happen. It sometimes depends on the input of the audience members. Right, right. So an expert in the arts, uh, Michael Kaiser, had said that, you know, he talks a lot about how organizations need to build their families and make people in the community feel like they're a part of the organization. And the organ- he said his theory is that the organizations that do that well will do better coming out of the coronavirus than those who- that don't. So how how is OSF making people feel like they're part of the OSF family? Yeah, I think that we need to 
re-engage and embrace our community. We've lost some connectivity with them uh, after the pandemic and through the pandemic because the, we haven't had the proximity. We haven't had them actually come to us and uh, have the live theater experiences and they're slow to return. Uh, I think that community is very important. I think that uh, our heritage is from the community and so we need to remember that heritage, honor that heritage, and make the OSF experience a participatory one and not just one that we're broadcasting out. And what about our own students? We have high, high schools here and we have a university here. How is OSF involved in our, our education communities here without having to put anyone on a yellow school bus? Ah, that's a, a good question. Yeah, for, for many, many years now, OSF has been uh, participants in helping out our Ashland High School, for example. Uh, so we have we've sent actors and crew to um, help with their productions. We've been working also in partnering with SOU. So I've had several conversations with Rick Bailey, right just down the street. Uh, we think president there's of yeah, SOU. president of SOU, and I think there's a lot of opportunities and synergies that we can have between our two institutions. I mean, we literally started and grew up together, and so that's a relationship we want to continue to foster. Excellent. So people, when I talk to people who aren't from this area, if I mention, oh, I'm from Ashland, Oregon, the first thing they'll say is, oh, isn't that where the Shakespeare Festival is? So how can people in our listening area help support the theater? Because it is just so core to who we are and where we are. Great question. We have a month left in the season. So now is a great time, a great opportunity to come see our shows. There's a month left. The skies are clear, and there's no better place, I believe, to see live theater than here at OSF. You know, people come from all around the country, indeed all around the world, to see our shows here, and it's right here in our listeners' backyard. And remind us how many shows are on right now? Uh, we have five shows running right now. So two in the Elizabethan, which is our largest state, our largest um uh, venue. We've got two in the Bomer, and we have one right now running in the Thomas. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for being our guest today. This is the ground floor on, Jeff on the Jefferson Exchange. You can find us online at jeffexchange.org, or you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>